Visit Arcade Club, Europe's largest classic arcade, with over 200 video and pinball machines. There's classic consoles and computers. There is also PS4s, Xbox Ones, Wii U, PC, and Oculus Rift, and regular tournaments and competitions. All machines are set to free play. Open Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. Check out arcadeclub.co.uk for more details. Tenpence Arcade are proud members of the Throwback Network and the Retro Junkies Network. Hi kids and welcome to the Ten Pence Arcade Podcast. I am Sean in your face, Holly. Pachow, 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 pachow. Yeah, and with me, because Vic is in America, we have Paul and Phil from the Maximum Power Up Podcast. Hi guys. Hi. Hello. Can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your brilliant little podcast that you got going? Phil, I'll let you go first for once. <laughs> Put us on the spot. Um, yeah, we just uh, we started Maximum Power Up in March of this year, um, and we release a bi-monthly show that covers both uh, retro and modern games, uh, because we thought not enough shows kind of covered the whole like gamut from past to uh, current gen, and we like to explore the areas that kind of go from the history, both through the modern, through like series, game series or game styles and stuff like that. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, up to now, uh, what, we're 16 episodes in, so we want to obviously cover some of our favourite Mega Drive games, SNES games, uh, arcade racers. We've had a few interviews with um, like John Hare, Mark R. Jones, uh, ex-Ocean uh, graphics artist. So, mm. yeah, we're looking forward to 2016 and um, a lot of good topics to come up, definitely. Excellent. And are you two guys that have got a couple of long-running themes in your podcast? One, Yours, Paul, is you, you're making a collection. Can you tell us about your collection? Yeah. Um, basically, my favorite console is the Super Nintendo. I'm 36 now, so it's like I was lucky enough to obviously live through the Super Nintendo's, well, heyday. The SNES years. Yeah. Oh, no. God, it sounds so old. <laughs> and um, basically, the best Super Nintendo magazine on the market was one called Super Play. And um, towards the end of its lifespan, it folded in, I think it was August, September time, 96. They did a top 100 games which uh, they, obviously, the staff voted for, sorry. And I thought, well, do something a bit different. I'm going to collect the top 100 Super Super Play Super Nintendo games. Uh, so I currently need 21, but now I'm getting to the stage where it's a very expensive one. Things like yeah. Earthbound, which is going to be like 400-odd quid. Oh, God. You're going to get them? You're going to get those ones? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm hoping to try and do it by the end of next year, so fingers crossed. I was very, very grateful to uh, Will Overton, uh, ex-Superplay artist, who uh, gave me as a, a very, very generous gift is a copy of Final Fantasy 2, which um, isn't one of the cheap ones. So uh, it was, again, a massive shout-out to him because that meant so, so much. Uh, so now it's getting to a stage where I'm starting to look at a couple of Japanese versions of games as well because yeah. sometimes the titles on uh, you know Super Famicom are say twenty to thirty pounds and the UK version could be you know a hell of a lot more. Right. Yeah, I want to keep my wife happy. <laughs> Wait by not spending a lot, I should say. Yeah, yeah. And Phil, tell us about your Capcom Fighters collection. 
Yeah, um, started collecting Capcom Fighters about, maybe it's about four years ago, seriously. I collect across pretty much every system, and um, I'm now start. I think I'm pretty much got at least a version of everything now. Uh, I've got 49 in my collection, uh, so now I'm kind of just going back and getting me doubles. So right. if I've got, um, say if I've got uh, Marvel versus Capcom 2 on PS2, I'm going to try and get on like Dreamcast. And I'm also starting to grow me import collection of the games as well because I prefer the box art of yeah. uh, imported games. Uh, so it's, <laughs> it, having a massive Street Fighter collection hasn't actually made us any better at the games yeah. but there's just something about street fighter that i just absolutely adore i think it's the it's the variation in characters and it's how they use the series because i um in my versus fighting collection i also have in things like dark stalkers and the uh, marvel games yeah and i love the way that they kind of cross over because there's like a lot of crossover in stuff like the marvel versus capcom but there's also crossover in the like Pocket Fighter or Gem Fighter, as it's known, where it's like all the chibi characters, but it kind of crosses over between the certain styles and that. So uh, I just find it really fascinating that Capcom as a whole, kind of, uh, and especially the Street Fighter series, has like this kind of story arc that pulls in characters from like Final Fight and Darkstalkers and yeah. and the, the Street Fighter series, and it, it's just that the, the wealth of characters out there is just amazing. Excellent. Right, well, good luck with both of your collections, guys. And now we're going to talk about what we've been up to since, I was going to say the last podcast, but you haven't been on one of these before, have you? So that could be a lot of talking. I was <laughs> I was born. Uh, but yeah, what we've been up to over Christmas. Let's try that. Oh, no, the night, man. Let's go. Right, uh, can I go first? Of course you can. You're the host. Uh, do you know what? Are you reading these notes? Yes. I've only gone and finished 1942. In your face, 1942. (laughs) Yes, thanks for the messages of congratulation. I've had loads on Facebook and Twitter. It's been brilliant. And what I've done, I thought, when I finished work on the 21st, so it's about a week ago now, I thought, what I'm going to do, instead of getting distracted by all the other games, I'm just going to play 1942. So by the 23rd, I was back up to my old sort of skill level on it. And mm-hmm. I was getting a sort of 1.3, 1.5 millions. And then on, on the 23rd, I just I sort of managed to get through it and finished it. So I'm well pleased with that. So what's your, what's your next step? Is it one credit? No. Uh, that's it. Yeah, I did that on one credit. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Sorry. I thought yeah, it took about 80 odd minutes. Yeah. And what I've How done now. How do you do it? So, do you like, have to just zone out? Um, not, not really. You just, I think... It is down to believe because I've all I think I've always had the talent to do it, mm. and then when I've got to the end, sort of like five or six levels, I crumble, I go to pieces. I think, God, I've got ten lives left. I'm going to do it, here. and then I just die. But this time I thought, no, I can do it. Just stay calm. I can do it, and I just sailed through it. Mm. Now that's impressive. Thank you, thank you, darling. <laughs> no worries, anytime. <laughs> Are you going to be now seeing at events and stuff like that, showing off your skills? Um, probably not. I'll be on something else by then, won't I? I'll be, I'll be moved on. 
<laughs> I've also been to Arcade Club, which is awesome. They've got a new game, Carnival. I don't know if you've seen this, Paul, have you, since last time you've been? They just got it in, but they'd not set it up. It was the um, night I went round to um, interview Andy for the show. Cheap plug there. <laughs> but no, it was. Um, it looked like a, a fantastic cab because, uh, like I said to Andy, it's a dead old style cab you know and um yeah i do want to see it up and running now definitely but i know he was excited to get this in so tell us a bit about it yeah it's a brilliant you know it's a brilliant little game it's based on the old fair fairground sort of games you know where you've got a rifle with those little pellets and you've got to shoot down the creatures on metal stands at the back of the booth it's that kind of game but in video form of course Ah. yeah it's very good it's it actually gets hard really quick I'll put a link in the show notes to maybe someone else talking a bit more better at it about it. <laughs> also, they've got Superbug, which is not plugged in yet, but they're, they're going to set that up, which is an old overhead racer, black and white from 1976-77. So that would be cool. And also, I think the Pong clone that Andy spoke to you about, Paul, that will be up and running soon as well. I think it's, yeah. called, I think it's called Sports Center or something like that. Yeah. And to finish it off, I've been playing Night of Volgus now because I've swapped out 1942. I've put Volgus in my Lord's Vale cab, so I'm, I'm getting pretty good scores on that, but I need to get better at that. And I've been playing lots of Bullet Hells from Cave because I love them. Yeah, I know, I know you mentioned one coming on to... Was it on iOS, uh, Game by Cave, last last uh, episode? Yeah, brilliant. Mushy Himasama. Ooh, might have to have a look at that. I'm terrible at them, like I'm in most games, but, you know, it's a taking part that counts. <laughs> it is. There's a certain beauty to cave games, though, isn't there? Yeah. As I say, I, like, like Paul, like, I'm rubbish at them, but it's the fact that they look so good and sound so good is what makes you want to play them more. I just love the feeling of... I know Victor doesn't, but I love the feeling of when you've dodged like a load of bullets and killed the bad guy, and you've got millimetres to move within the screen. I just love that. But it is an acquired taste. Yeah, no, no, I can yeah. I can imagine that, but they do look stunning. I I was unaware of them until uh till I met you, Mister Holly. Yeah, and my life changed forever. Yeah, what's Father Christmas bought you then, Paul? And what have you been up to? Um, well, just quickly, gift wise, on Christmas Day, I got um an MP3 recorder like uh one you've got yourself. So uh, I thought I'd copy you so we can uh go and harass people together yeah. you know, <laughs> at different games events and stuff and yeah, yeah I, was, I was really really impressed at your equipment and I wanted to get my hands on a my equipment yeah your equipment <laughs> and um, I really just sat thinking what I'm saying here um, but yeah other than that I just got a couple of um, notebooks for podcasts and stuff and then uh, I got oh god Resident Evil Revelations 2 on PS4 yeah. and Fallout 4 uh, which I've not even started yet, you know. So, uh, yeah, not not too much games-wise. My wife wanted to buy me one of my Super Play 100 games, uh, but she didn't know where I was up to. So she watched one of my YouTube videos, uh, one of our <laughs> updates, and then I got a bit of a rollicking going, how have you bought so many games so quickly? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think I need to password protect these YouTube videos somehow. But, um other than that, just been watching Star Wars with a few mates and really impressed by that. And yeah, and uh, now I'm just playing Resident Evil. Yeah. So, so what have you been up to, Phil? Uh, for Christmas. Yes. Of uh, being Santa, because I've, I've been a really, really good little boy this year. Yeah. <laughs> well, I must have been because he was really nice to us. No, me, uh, me, with got us a box complete Game Boy. 
A whiff? What's a whiff? Me whiff. A whiff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I, I didn't even ask for it. I put, like, a lot of stuff on me. Li- I put, like, mostly, like, Wii U games on my list because they're kind of the ones that don't really lose value. So I don't really buy a lot of Wii U games, even though there's a lot I want. But uh, I didn't put my Game Boy on it, but she uh, she decided that that's what she was going to get us. And, uh, and I absolutely love it. I love the fact that I've got one now and it's in the box is in like lovely condition. They're really well looked after. So that's something new to collect for. <laughs> um, and uh, I've got a couple of Wii U games. I've got Yoshi's Woolly World and uh, Super Mario Maker, which Super Mario Maker is an absolute force of a game. I know it's it's kind of not necessarily a new con- concept when you think of games like Little Big Planet or even stuff like uh, Minecraft or anything, but it really, really suits making your own Mario levels and it's really like simple interface to use. And I've had a bit of a mess around. I've made our first level that I posted up on our Twitter account for people. Yeah, I saw that. saw that, yeah. So, yeah, I really, really into playing that, actually, yeah. Uh, I knew I'd like it, but I didn't expect to like it as much as I do. So mm-hmm. I can see myself spending hours making levels on that once I unlock all the bits and stuff, which is really, really good. Ah, uh, excellent. Uh, I've had some reports back from Vic in America so far. This is what I've been doing so far. Been to Galloping Ghost in Illinois. 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 And he's interviewed Doc Mack, the owner. So that's a good little interview, and I've heard that. He's, been to, he's also been to two other Illinois arcade he's been to underground retrocade and he's also been to logan arcade so there's some good bits there he's been with the sky cursor people and the broken token podcast people in kentucky so he's having a lot of good times and mrs tenpence is taking him to lots of lovely food places to eat as well restaurants that's the word not food places (laughs) (laughs) anyway i I saw some of his pictures on a on the old facebook uh with the broken token guys and uh, I was well gel, as the kids say. Yeah, down with the kids. Yeah, I know, down with the kids. Moving on to news. Let's go. Right, here's a quick run through the news. Andrew Driver, one of our listeners, sent us an Asteroids emulator on the Commodore 64. Yes, it's an emulator, and somehow it's running the original Asteroids arcade code, and and they've put somehow put raster graphics in place of vector graphics but when you play it you can tell it is the original code it runs slower but all the other characteristics of the game is the same that's amazing i don't know how they've done that also we've got frogger someone's working on a frogger clone for the commodore 64 and you can play the first level of that which looks amazing i don't know how they've done that and oh right bandai well bandai namco are re-releasing their classics again for the next platform, so Steam, Xbox One, and PS4. What do you two guys think about Namco re-releasing Pac-Man, Dig Dug, Rally X for about the fifteenth time? I'm getting a bit cynical about this, but what do you think? Uh, I was talking like a quid, a two, again. Oh no, oh. they won't be, will they? They'll be. I don't know what they'll be. I think it's just called Namco Classics. This one. Well, it's, I- um, it is a bit of a cash grab, but sometimes. Faffing around with emulation and stuff isn't for everybody. Yeah. Uh, and some people just like, you know, a quick blast on something every now and again and to either have to go around hunting for ROMs and stuff mm. or have to go and get your old hardware out and things. Um, I know they're kind of arcade games, but you know what I mean. Um, it it kind of be a bit of a chore for people. So people kind of 
just like to have something that they've already got plugged into the TV, download it for a couple of quid, and, and away you go. So it serves its purpose. Um, yeah, I suppose there is that. Yeah, yeah, I don't know though because honestly, I, I was having a quick look on um, on PSN, and I saw a range of uh, arcade conversions. I don't know if I've been on there like Renegade and Double Dragon, and I think there's about three or four others, and they're five pound eighty each, and I, I don't see that as a quick. You know, like just a couple of quid. That's you know, yeah. It's a lot of money just for one arcade game. You know, if it was say two or three for six quid, mm. fair enough. It might just be me being cheap, but no, I think I, six I, quid for that's a rip off. I agree with a certain the price points. I think they should we should be getting price points round about the cost of an iPhone game. Yeah. So if you're talking like you know your pound twenty fives or your seventy five p's, then. That kind of does make it worth it. I think oh, yeah. charge like a fiver for something that is essentially like very, very old. And yes, it is like a, hopefully it'll be like an arcade perfect ROM, but it might not be. Mm. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm a bit, I, I don't buy them. So I'm not really like a good judge to say, but I know that some people necessarily wouldn't necessarily be fussed at five quid for a game that they kind of really wanted. Yeah, I, I did buy quite a few of them on the PS1 and PS2, like the Midway Classics and the Namco Classics. They were uh, good, though. They were good. I'm saying on PS2. Yeah, yeah, but in the days before MAME, they were they were how you got your arcade fix, I think. They were good. Exactly. Yeah. But they were 20 quid for a disc. They were never full price £40 games. And even on those Atari ones on PS1, because I've got one of them in my collection, I think you get about five games. So I suppose, I know that's still going against what I'm saying, like it's still five or a game. But then again, you're going for quite a few years back. But then when you got to the PS2 era and you have things like the Taito uh, collections and things, and you had like 20 odd games on there again for, you know, 20 quid. Uh, mm. It just shows that the you know the value of them in a way uh, come down, but I suppose it just comes down to what people are happy to pay. But stuff like um, re-releasing Dig Dug again, you know, is I suppose you know flogging a dead arse a bit. Mm. Yeah. But anyway, if you think about you know we say that they're going to pump out X amount of like games that uh, Dig Dug again and again and again. Think about how many people are getting Dig Dug for free who were prepared to go and do MAME or something like that. Like, Namco Bandai aren't making many money out of that. Mm, yeah. You know what I mean? So it's kind of it's kind of a double-edged sword, isn't it? A lot of people don't pay for their emulation. So when they do release it, you know, they kind of got to recoup some money from somewhere, haven't they? Yeah. Well, see the yeah, price mm. Mm. Right, let's move on to the next one. A UK VAC, I think he's on a few forums, this guy, D2, or a guy from Australia, has created a Raspberry Pi 2 multi-game jammer board. Now, this is amazing what he's done. I'm just going to read straight off the UK VAC post from a guy called Swiss Tony who's bought one. He's put, it's a jammer adapter PCB for Raspberry Pi 2. It converts a Pi to a jammer board, which can be used in any jammer cab with no modification to the cab which is amazing. This unit is plug-and-play and totally powered by Jammer, like a normal PCB. And it works on 15 kilohertz arcade monitors via a HDMI to VGA converter. And there is even a plug for a kick harness so you can play your games with extra buttons like your Street Fighters and stuff. The cost is about 230 Australian dollars at the minute, which comes to about 112 quid. And the guy that bought it, Swiss Tony, got banged with customs charges as well of about 30 quid. 
And on the actual, I think it's a, an SD or a micro SD that goes into a Raspberry Pi 2. And the guys put three versions of MAME on it. MAME for all, Final Burn Alpha and Advanced MAME. And I think this could be a great alternative to those Chinese 60-in-1, 400-in-1 boards where the emulation is not brilliant because this has got bang-on emulation. So mm. that, is, that is really good news for the arcade community, this. Mm. That does sound good. The mm. fact that you just go straight into the jammer board. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's going to be a tiny piece of kit. Yeah. It should be excellent. I'm, actually, I might get one for my cab because there's only I've only got like four or five PCBs and you get bored of them. And if you put this in every so often, you can be playing endless games, mate. Non-stop gaming. Oh, yeah. I do anyway. Next one from the tran. We mentioned last time a transitions shoot 'em up event in Tokyo and Boxing Day, and the news coming out from that is the well, the big news for me is the next cave game coming to Steam after Mushi Himasama is going to be Death Smiles, and that's coming in 2016. Which is the I don't know if you've seen it. It's the horizontal shoot 'em up with fantastic graphics and gameplay. It's quite similar to Cotton, isn't it? Kind of Cotton. What's that? It's a side sort of shooter with where you play as a little witch. <laughs> oh, I've not heard of that. Is Death Smiles at Arcade Club? No, I think. Okay. Did you go to Nerg? Yes. It was at Nerg. Ah, uh, still. Oh, yes. It was um, right near the entrance. Yeah, a guy called Ian Chapman bought it. He bought his own little, well, not little, big candy cabin. It was in there. Yeah, yeah. we didn't play it, but I looked at it. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm aware of it, you mm. know, and stuff. Yeah, yeah, nice little game. That it, it actually, it's one of the easier cave games, believe it or not, and it's still rock hard. Oh God! Also, we're going to finish the news with three little links for you. A, a retrospective series from Kieran Hawking. I really like these. There's top ten arcade games from six seventy six to seventy seven, and the top ten arcade games from nineteen seventy eight. That's just his personal view, but it's a well-written article and a really good article on the history of arcades. And that's from TheVerge.com. That's worth looking at. Ooh, that could be all right. Yeah. Right, that's enough for that, kids. Let's go to feedback. Madsteer.com and Neil1637 said that they go straight to the next game on the show notes before listening to the podcast. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Mind you, though, I suppose uh, I see Madsteer uh, commenting all the time, like pushing for a best score. So, uh, yeah, he, he's got his uh, plan in action there straight away. All Alpha One says, listening to podcast 51, where you were talking about first PCB purchased. I still have my first PCB also. Rabbit Punch from Swallow Amusements, 1998, £45. He also showed us his Space Tactics cockpit, a game we featured on... The Art of Side Art. There you go, right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, last time from Silver Coin Arcade. Yeah, we spoke about Silver Coin Arcade, me and Vic, last time, just to who are these people, because they post some excellent Facebook pics of these really rare cabs. So I, I reached out to him, like, reach out, can I do a reach out? What's that song? Reach out, so I'll, I'll out. be there. Oh, I was <laughs> personal D- Jesus. Right, oh, yeah. oh, yeah, reach out and touch Thanks. arcades. 
Yeah. Reach out and touch arcades. Right, yeah. I reached out to Silvercoin Arcade and he said, Sean, thanks for your continued interest in the Silvercoin page. My wife and I, he's called Bradley, are from Green Bay, Wisconsin. We started the page to go along with the Golden Age of Video Arcade Games exhibit that we put together for a local museum. The idea started with various people seeing some of our games and enjoying the stroll down memory lane. We wanted to find a way to share that experience with the large audience it took about two and a half years to make it happen but eventually about 90 of the games in our collection were put on display so he's given us a little youtube preview which i'll link to in the show notes and then he's put the exhibit was a huge success with over twenty-five thousand people attending which is significant for the size of the green bay area he's in it was the museum's most popular exhibit for over six years and was the first exhibit in the history of the museum to be held over my wife and i had ideas of taking the exhibit on the road to other museums across the country but the logistics just didn't work out the silver coin page continued on this is the facebook page as a way for us to share some new additions arcade trivia and we wanted the silver coin arcade page to be all about fun currently two-thirds of our collection is in storage unfortunately but hopefully that is just temporary i do thank you very much for sharing your page it means a lot to us and if you have any questions hit me up so that's nice of him bradley thank you for that bradley Oh, that sounds brilliant. And check out that page, Silvercoin Arcade page on Facebook. There's always some really nice games there, and you can tell by his collection on that YouTube video that takes a lot of pride, and he, he sort of strips back the cabs and sort of rebuilds them almost, it looks like, to be in pristine condition. Hmm. Well, next up, we've got one of your uh, regular listeners, Steve Monkey Chunk. Who Monkey says, Chunk! <laughs> who says, great choice in high score game. Uh, obviously for uh, this episode here final fight lesley 70 hiya lesley hiya dean final fight next day it's been quite a while since i played that one alex is this a nintendo arcade alex your it certainly is friend? yeah mr chucky egg ah, i'm aware of him hey uh, decent <laughs> guy as well yeah and uh yeah he said nice things to us so that's always great to hear anyway uh what alex says for your show and not ours says Great podcast as always, guys, and it's great you two have drummed up such enthusiasm for such an old and rare game amongst the community. A space launcher, this one, yeah. Right, yeah. Because uh, is that one he took along to Revival? Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah. Ah, but you guys camped out at, more or less. Um, Stopped everyone else playing, yeah. <laughs> like the bigger boys in the schoolyard. <laughs> yeah. Right, anyway, sorry. Some great scores, and I really did think you were going to beat my score towards the end. Vic has certainly certainly thrown down the gauntlet, which is great for the competition, but not for my pride. If he ever beats me, haha. So my, there you go, he's just mocking him now. <laughs> <laughs> what I would just like to add, and I don't know for sure, but I do believe they made this cabinet, as it's the same shaped cab as my Sheriff cab, and there's a similar flyer of poor pitch quality for Sheriff also, and we know that exists as I own one. Mm. as far as the odd diamond shaped cab you referred to again is a poor artist impression of my sega sheriff cocktail that space launcher would have come in as the dimensions given on the flyer match my sega sheriff exactly now don't forget luke wells owns an upright sheriff and there's no flyer slash picture of that cab at all but the cab exists yeah god it sounds like a lot of history goes on with some of these cabs definitely you know all i know is just playing them mm. uh that also has a prototype, as it uses black and white space fever hardware. So at this point, Nintendo was in collaboration with Sega and Namco to help boost their share of the market. Only one year later, with Donkey Kong, they dominated. So all said, I just think that 
Either none survived or one is waiting to be found. I do believe the Sega cocktails were trade promotion cabs and just prototypes. Another game you forgot to mention that was released in the same year and is almost identical as Galaxy Wars by Universal. Mm, yeah. Now, this game looks and plays almost exactly the same, but is missing the docking bays at the top, so it has no risk-reward element at all and makes it a poor gaming experience. What makes Space Launch so good is the docking bays with rotating points to go for. Without that, it becomes Galaxy Wars, which is crap. Very matter of fact there. <laughs> and then just to wrap up his uh, comment is, my bet Nintendo copied the idea just like they did with every game up until Sheriff and just added the extra risk-reward element that makes it such an addictive game to play. Some of what I said is not fact, but I've looked into this. I've looked into this a lot and asked people like Florent Gorge, who wrote the book, The History of Nintendo, and he concurs. Also, Galaxy Wars was released onto the Super Famicom, which I have a copy of, and I was playing it this morning, and it's also crap. Lol. <laughs> well, good luck there, Alex, finding the truth. The truth is out there. It, it I will, know. It will find if it, if it really existed. I know it will eventually. He blew my mind. I've met him in person twice now at NERG, uh, well, this year still, just about, yeah. um, and also at Revival, and he's just such a you know decent guy, and my God, he knows his stuff. He does, doesn't he? He does, does You know, I just stand there just like, oh, shocked, not knowing <laughs> what to say. We have some feedback from Tin, who is the, is the brother of bronze, and he's the great-grandfather of nickel the podcast is a thing of beauty just a shame i have finished it already very fun funny this one with the most entertaining mucking about just a few more tips and bits on space launcher if i may if you time your launching continuously thrust until the bonuses are locked in you can guarantee that where the large bonus will be all right i wait until the best bonus is a is above someone else has said this i wait until the best bonus is above the second from left base and launch the big one will then be in the fourth base i find the third and fourth the easiest to reach and retreat from without suffering too much cheap death if you mash cheap death yes if you mash several invaders on the way in usually five is possible three greens and two yellows but six is doable i've never done six i've never mashed six invaders then you can get six or seven on the way out two yellows and four to five greens how the hell do you do that because they speed up as their friends get a good killing marching foolishly into the laser death ray the bonus oh yeah right they speed up I've just answered my own question. <laughs> the bonuses for mashing invaders is interesting. I haven't really seen any pattern either, but it seems to be somewhat related to a direct hit. On level four or so onwards, I can get 500 for landing directly on the head of an invader and 150 for crashing into the side of them. Might be coincidence, but it seems to happen more often than not. Right. Vic's comments about the game sometimes pausing and getting confused for, sec for a second. I think this is actually your laser force field thing successfully neutralising an alien bullet. Unfortunately, this doesn't happen enough to rely on it. Neither does the mentioned stars getting in the way. I actually had one today where the alien fire hit the star and disappeared and then I died anyway. Cheap death again. Finally, I think the funky overlay graphics thing is just the graphics chip is obviously primitive and can only do some things that are very similar to the Spectrum. Yes, I suppose that colour clash kind of thing. That's what it looks like if you've played it. It's weird. Therefore, to avoid colour clash, they've just programmed each separate line in the game and have one of these seven colours on black. The ship is the only thing that moves up and down, so it cycles through the colours that are assigned on each line. The title screen, such as it is, uses the same placement of the colours. Also could have been a quick 
quick and dirty add add of colour to a black and white game, which they did with uh, Berserk as well. I like it. I'm addicted to it, but it is so, so cheap. The biggest crime is the collision detection being so rubbish. I thought it was all right, actually, apart from those cheap death bits with a combination of a slow shift and fast bullets. Maybe I need a new tutorial on how to avoid the cheapness because clearly Vic and Alex are managing it. Mm. Bobby... Idod, he says, can I suggest Vic and Sean covering the first version of Golden Tea on the podcast, the joystick version, for no other reason than to annoy Ben Roscoe. (laughs) He likes his golf games as Bobby. I don't know how we're going to cover one of them. Anyway, Scott Lambert, the manager of Underground Retrocading, thanks for making the time to visit and for bringing the Sky Cursor guys along with you. This this is directed at Vic. That's really nice. So, you know, straight to it. Yeah. Okay, next up, we have got Mappy24. Great episode and game. I thought the music and sound effects were brilliant. Very well done for the time and the typical catchy Nintendo tunes. I too noticed the Hovis ad at the the end of every game, which felt a bit of out of place. (laughs) It's a bit weird. My strategy was to watch for the highest bonus to get to the far left before thrusting continuously, who were... Mm. See, sexual innuendo everywhere. It's like an episode of Bottom. (laughs) (laughs) We were again. Uh, Then I always knew which uh, base to aim for and be assured that the highest score was there without having to look up while in flight. Not that it helped much. But it's good to hear people's different tactics. Definitely. Mm. Anyway, it continues. Good luck to Vic with a world record attempt and looking forward to the reports from across the pond. Final Fight has never really appealed to me, but we'll give it a go. I'll have plenty of time over the next week to get a score in. He certainly has give it a go. We'll get to the scores later on. Oh, God. Ed Horse, great episode and good fun with a high score. Look forward to the next one. Thanks, Ed. Oh, is. Next up, we have got Arch Hakon. Great episode. Thank you very much. I've put together my entire IKEA wardrobe of sliding doors while listening to you guys. <laughs> and it was actually an enjoyable experience. God, I'd have just lost my temper many a time doing that. Mm, it. it's, it's, it, yeah, I know. And just say, I'll, I'll ask my wife. She does all the DIY side. Yeah. I just lost my temper. Anyway, um, shocked. I also did a bit of backtracking to the earlier episodes and listened to the interview with Alpha One. Such a cool episode that was. Loads of good anecdotes. About me coming to Arcade Club, it is actually affordable flying in for a weekend. With all the crazy Man U fans in Norway, there is a direct budget flight to Manchester several times a week. I will let you know when it happens. Keep up the good work, guys. Looking forward to the next one. Yeah, we met Hakon in Holland. And, uh, yeah, we had a great time. He's a really nice guy. And he'd, he'd come from Norway to that. So when he does come over, when you do come over, Hakon, we'll meet you at Arcade Club and have a good day gaming. Also, we have Steve, press play on tape. Heard you gents talking about your Flappy Bird scores on the latest episode, so I thought I'd post this. 127, that's a good score. I only got this score as my brother said I couldn't beat his top score of nine. (laughs) (laughs) In your face, Steve's brother. (laughs) Next up, we have got Broken Token. Uh, This is deemed at you, Mr. Holly. At Sean Mm. Holly, you were missed. We deep fried two turkey breasts and talked games through hours. Great times to show yeah, Victor's the audio Victor sent to me met Brent and Whitney from the Broken Token podcast, and they were deep frying turkey and having that for their meal. That sounds really nice. Deep fried, everything's nice, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, not not great for you, but you, you always eat loads of uh, bad food, don't we? Yeah, yeah, of course. yeah. It's Christmas, isn't it? Yeah, indeed. Mick wasted berry. 
Great podcast, mate. I'm fairly new to it and enjoying it loads. Thank you, Mick. Ah, no worries. Again, a decent fella. We speak to a fair bit. Uh, Next up, we have got Stephen Baker. Great podcast again, as always. I listen to quite a few podcasts, but it's always your one I count the days for. Massive congrats, uh, Sean Holly, for completing 1942. Great achievement. But does this mean your love affair ends with 1942? I'm going to... It's out of my cab at the minute and Volgus is in, but I will go back to it. Um, I, I Once I've finished it, I don't, I'm not going to go for the world record because you've got to be perfect and I'm not that good to get, you know, apparently you can get to the end of the game with all 20 lives intact and then die on the end boss 20 times. As he dies, you have to die and then he respawns. So you've got to do that 20 times and that's when you can get the scores of about 13 to 14 million and I can't, I can't be asked doing that. But good luck to those guys that do. Oh my yeah, you've got plenty of time to do it though. Yeah. Yeah, you'll do it, but you will you will go and at least try it once, though, won't you? Because yeah, it'll just, yeah, and it'll niggle at you and go. Well, maybe I could give it one go, and then it'll just become an obsession for you. Yeah, well, I got to the last boss with five lives, and I thought, do I try and do that, or do I just do it? And I thought, no, I'm just going to finish the game because if I don't finish the game messing around, I'll like go and hang myself in the toilet. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> anyway we'll go back to uh steven's feedback uh, so I, I think that answers this question with uh, will you continue to try for higher scores yes. as well so yeah, then he goes on to say uh, about this this episode's game always loved final fight as a kid and it's really strange playing it without coin feeding and makes you realize how hard it actually is my score was around hundred eighty nine thousand, but i couldn't get past the first boss without losing a life i reckon i could do better with more time Think I need a decent mobile MAME setup, as it seems to get better. As I seem to get better scores when I'm supposed to be working, e.g., mobile phone games. Mm, yeah. Anyway, I hope you've both had a great Christmas and a great New Year. Keep up the great work. Looking forward to hearing about Fix America trip. And uh, Stephen's flappy bird score was two hundred and thirty-six. Wow. Have you still got that? I haven't got it. I had it on an old phone, but I haven't got it now. I've never played it. Hmm. It's, no, it's not. It's not my competition. I was like, that's the worst game I've ever played in my life. It was very addictive, really. One button game. Very. Addi- I don't know what what it was. It was. It was, got, it was craply addictive. It was, it was. It was a game that was stolen all its assets from Mario and hacked it onto a really badly controlling game, and it was rubbish. And it needs to just go way out of existence. Phil, come on. What do you really think? <laughs> yeah, don't hold back. <laughs> <laughs> right, last bit of feedback from Leslie. He's got an in- incredible score on Crossy Road, which is sort of an ongoing theme of this I've podcast in the that. last few weeks. People are playing Crossy Road and sending us scores and ignoring our high score challenge. And Leslie, 704. That's huge. What Crossy Road is, I don't know if you've played it, is basically a f- frogger on mobile. Yeah, I, played it. I played it once. Slightly isometric viewpoint. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, My nephew showed it me on his uh, iPad, and um, he spends far too much time on those sort of iPad games, but he gets really good at them. Then yeah. I have a go and just get nowhere on it. I think that's why I dislike him so much. Dead chance <laughs> like that. Yeah, luckily my phone can't run anything like that, so I stick to the arcade games. Ah. Okay then, kids, let's move to the featured game review.
Okay. Okay, the featured game this time is Final Fight from Capcom 1989. It ran, runs on Capcom CPS1 hardware, other games that run on this hardware, Forgotten Worlds, Ghouls and Ghosts, Knights of the Round, I like that game. It's an eight-way stick, and it's just got jump and attack. Right, so go on, take it away, guys. What do you think of this? This is one of my favourite games of all time. Like, back when, like, every time I talk about arcade games, it's always, like, one of my favourite arcade games. Got a lot of great memories as a kid, playing this uh, down in Footlands at Minehead. And when it came out on the home computer versions on the, on the Atari ST, I... Uh, rushed out to make sure I got this, and the uh, home versions uh, were absolutely awful for uh, for computers anyway. Yeah. Uh, I also remember a mate getting it on Super Nintendo, but sadly it was only one player, but it was an okay version of it. Um, I, how do you want me to go on about this? Because I could go on about it for ages, <laughs> and Phil could as well. Well, the type of game, I call it a brawler. I call this type of game a brawler. It's not a one-on-one fighter like Street Fighter, but it's a a go-right-and-have-a-fight game, as Vic calls it. And the the standard kind of story for these games, someone's nicked your girlfriend. I hate it when that happens. Do you? Oh, there's a right bind. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I bet you want to go after Nobody ever takes a card of these things and just skips through to the end. That's like, oh, God. It's like if it happened to me, if, if my wife got sto- uh, got taken away from it, I wouldn't walk all the way along Scotswood Road in the Newcastle. I'd get in the car and get right there in five minutes. <laughs> I didn't think of that. <laughs> final fight, final fight, Newcastle. It'd be very, a very quick game. Oh, God. <laughs> Newcastle man runs over people, gets wife, the end. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it, it's, a, it's a genre that was really popular at the time, you know. Like Obviously, you had Double Dragon and... I, I, that does have a lot of fans, but I think with Final Fight, it was um, it was rumored to be a sequel to Street Fighter. I heard. Yeah, it was, it was originally planned to be, wasn't it? But then they kind of changed it up when they had different characters in. Um, I mean, Capcom are the undisputed kings of the side-scrolling beat 'em up, though, aren't they? I mean, oh, they've yeah. done so many, and like, it, Final Fight is possibly not the best one they've ever. Well, it's definitely not the best one they've ever done, but it's one of the ones that are probably the most cherished and the most recognised. It's my favourite one out of them all. Mm. It's it's a game that I can play happily again and again and again. You know, I've completed it a few times, granted, with loads and loads of credits a lot of time, but I I, absolutely love it. I kind of agreed with you um, that it was like one of my favourites of all time until I've tried to do this one credit challenge. (laughs) (laughs) And it's suddenly it's suddenly shot to probably one of the most hated games of all time. Oh, yeah, it can happen that. When you play a game a lot, it can happen that. Yeah, I do love the fact... I think I think that's why it was sort of like garbage at the, the one credit challenge, because I've never played it with any kind of pressure, because I knew if I died, I'd just hit select again and add another credit. Yeah. Um, so therefore, unlike, say, playing something like Street of Rage on the Mega Drive or something, which, uh, which I'm quite proficient at, I had to learn patterns, because obviously you've only got a certain number of lives, um, or you start again yeah. because you can't keep adding credits on a on a console version. Mm. But on something like Mame, you just keep firing credits in, firing credits in. There's actually no risk whatsoever, so you can kind of just stand there and get your face bashed in for like five minutes, and then just add another credit, and away you go. So there's actually you don't necessarily learn tactics or mm. learn patterns. So going from something that you've done like kind of automatously 
for years and years and years to try and learn the actual mechanics of the game is so jarring, I think. Yeah. I, I, I suppose it's quite a while since I've played this on arcade and actually paid to mm-hmm. play it. So going back to being a kid and, uh, you know, then you do learn the patterns. Yeah. And, you know, when to be a bit more uh, defensive in, uh, you know, your uh, tactics and everything like that. Mm. Um, I mean, it's not really that long a game. It's only, is it five stages? It, it's six, I think. Oh, sorry, six, isn't it? Yeah. God, the um, Super Nintendo version again. <laughs> yeah, because the, the, the Super Nintendo uh, version knocks out Guy and the industrial level, which is yeah. one of the more punishing of levels because obviously it's got the the fatal traps like the, the fire and that that comes from the floor oh yes. that was tricky i credited through yeah. it i didn't get anywhere near that on normal play no but that is so difficult that level yeah definitely definitely you lose a lot of lives on that mm. you know um if you know if you are going through it but no it's uh it's it's definitely one of you know my favorite arcade games and mm. it, it I was so happy that you chose this one and especially the fact that we're on this episode um, because it's a series that, you know, myself and Phil have have played uh, quite a lot Mm -hmm. and also uh, a lot of the games, you know, with the uh, historical offshoots of Final Fight. Yeah, I wanted to cover it because I wanted to cover Fighters because it's one that me and Vic really don't like, but I wanted to mention it and talk about it because it's such an important part of the arcade history, especially sort of after 91 when Street Fighter 2 rebooted the kind of arcade industry. Yeah. It's definitely a standout title on the CPS 1 system. Yeah. Obviously then filtered through like CPS 2 like from that, you know, because you had a lot of, it was kind of that, that formula that did take on like time and time again. You've got, as I said before, the, the Capcom and the Undisputed Kings of the Side scroll beat 'em up because you've got stuff like uh, the Punisher, you've got um, Battle Circuit, you've got uh, Armored Warrior. You know, you've you've got like a whole wealth of games that came off the back, like Alien vs Predator and things like that all had the same mechanics. Mm. Added a couple of things here and a couple of things there, like you know, like uh, projectile weapons and stuff. But it's the, the core gameplay is very much similar to the way that they kind of took it on. Yeah, I think one good thing about this is it introduced, well, I'm going to say introduced, it refined the idea of having more than one attack for, on your attack button. I know Golden Axe did it, but this has got like, it's got throws and it's got splashes and it's got pile drivers yeah. and it's just a combination of jump and attack button. I think that's very clever for the yeah, time. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, what Phil was just saying about the weapons that you had as well, it's sort of like... Mm just say you throw a knife at someone and then you're going up to another guy grab him like you just said and pile driver and you know it's 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 really really varied you know what you can do and obviously having like the uh eight-way control stick you know helps and um i think that was just it like when you first play final fight and then you're still learning the moves mm. and obviously then find out which moves are obviously going to do the most damage you know it, it does um bring a little bit of tactics to the game i know it's like as you say just to go right and have a fight game but you know i always see it as a bit more than that you know if you are playing yeah. it, you know and trying to get a really good score and trying to not keep feeding credits in then like you you said as well phil it really is a big challenge yeah definitely i think yeah uh, i think like you said before with the, like the varied move system as well it kind of it gives the whole the whole overall game a lot of flair. Where something like Double Dragon, 
is very much every fight that you have with, a, with an enemy is going to be pretty much formulaic and quite the same. But with someone like, not fight, with yeah. all the different moves, like the, the throws and the, the, the pile drives and the, the jump attacks and things, it you can have something that is a bit more, like it can, you can kind of choreograph your fight a bit more, depending on what's happening around you. Yeah, I, I like the. There's a move you can do by pressing both of the buttons together, which is a kind of get out of jail move, yeah. isn't it? And you you do this spin, but it uses it. It obviously wipes out everything around you, but it uses a little bit of health, which is a clever idea. Yeah, it's something that um, obviously Vimvi used in uh, a lot more of their own games, and then also in uh, the Streets of Rage, well, two and three on the on the mm. Mega Drive, and it's sort of like it, it's again that sort of tactics where it's like well do i use this, my special move now mm. uh which is going to reduce me energy because it is quite tempting to just keep hammering it but mm. we see your yeah. uh, energy just getting less and less and less and uh as no doubt we'll get onto in you know like a few moments your energy bar can soon be hit on this game and I, i've only just found this out again playing you know on one credit yeah you know what one big mistake and you know you you pretty much screwed. Yeah, I think what annoyed me sometimes about the having to try and develop tactics for it though is that not necessarily all the all the the items are like standard. It, it kind of it, they're random, aren't they? Yes, this is what I was saying too. They're like the 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 points uh, things, like when you smash the barrels and stuff. Oh, you know they seem to be different items you know different times you play it and stuff so obviously that would add a knock-on effect on you know scores different different times you play it it's also like tactics as well it's like sometimes you can go well i'll take the risk of using my uh super move on the fact that i know in that barrel that's standing next to us there's a power-up uh so i can get back to full health then you do it you go to the you go to the the, you go to the barrel that you think's got the, the the health upgrade in and it's empty there are some ones which always always have the chicken in for example like when you're about the first one when you come out of the the subway oh yeah 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 when yeah before the end of the first level that always has um you always get a samurai sword Mm -hmm. and you also get a a chicken but subway level part one doesn't have it does randomize its uh, oh yeah yeah, definitely, definitely. Which is really, really annoying because when you actually go onto the subway car, you don't want to go in there. On oh, level two. Yeah, yeah. Um, you don't want to. You don't want to kind of go in there with low health because you've used a super move on Andor. Yeah. To to go to go on to that, and I think that was what kind of was infuriating for me. Trying to trying to one credit it is the fact that I couldn't rely on item drops as part of my tactics. Mm. So yeah. So yeah, the health, you've got knives and pipes as weapons, which are useful. Uh, you can eat, as we mentioned, you can eat health to gain, uh, no, you can't, you can eat, you can eat food to gain health, which is always helpful. Uh, time limit keeps you moving along. It's not that strict. You can mess around for ages before it actually moves right. you along. And also, we have to, have to mention these two bonus levels, which are quite fun, but more tricky than I thought. Uh, can you mention what happens on these two bonus stages? Phil, over to you. Yeah, um, well, one is kind of... Well, obviously, it was before it was in Street Fighter 2, but um, one is you've got to smash up the car, very similar to one of the bonus levels in Street Fighter 2. Uh, quite funny. I mean, there's only... Uh, in the Street Fighter 2 version, it's a lot more like 
there's a lot more hit points on the car. But on this, there's three certain hit points. There's either windows and uh, the front. And the, 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 the idea is that you've got to smash the car in the time limit allotted. And the more, the quicker you do it, the higher your score will be. Uh, it's always quite funny that once you walk off, one of the Mad Gear cronies come up to him and goes, Oh my God! <laughs> yeah, always laugh at it. It's like, as if he only noticed, like, like, like five minutes, like, how far have you been walking to see this guy smash your car up? Can you only get any years quicker? Um, but it also kind of is that weird thing that's like, you know, if it was me, I'd smash the window, get in and drive up the road and skip some levels. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's got anger issues, hasn't he? Obviously, poor guy. I know. Yeah, I know uh, in the Super Nintendo version, it's just where he goes, "Oh my car!" Yeah, it's, uh, it's like, "Oh, we can't have anything uh, blasphemous." Yeah, so just, "Oh my car!" <laughs> the next level, the next, level, <laughs> the next bonus level is the, the glass panels, which doesn't really have any context. It's great. It's a great little bonus level, and it's like really quite fun. But it has absolutely no context for the game whatsoever. It's like, oh well. Uh, oh, there's this warehouse. People doing like uh, gla- this glazing warehouse. These must be evil. Windows are evil. Um, double glazing evil. Well, no one likes yeah. double glazing salesmen coming to the door. So obviously, you know, they've been ripped off on a quote or something yeah. like that. Is a case of damn you, damn you <laughs> to hell. Yeah, I think punch him in the face. Mike Hager, Mike Hager saw the the bill of his tower block that he was getting developed and was like, nah, they're going down. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. He was he was leaning on them so he didn't have to pay his bill. And he was like, "Well, if you don't knock a couple of grand off the bill, I'm going to come and like smash your warehouse up." To be quite honest, see, and it, was just, it was kind of like just on the way they were passing, so they may as well do you know a bit like hostile takeover. <laughs> I think we've got enough material now for final fight the mini series. What do you reckon? Definitely. As long yeah. as Phil doesn't ruin it all and just has the characters driving everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> final fight fast and furious yeah. version yeah anyway any secrets any play tips my play tip would be apart from punch everything right in face is trying not to get people in front and behind of you try and sort of keep them either coming at you from the left or right but that's very hard to do but you can do it you can sort of jump over them kind of thing and then have them all coming at you from one direction because he. Otherwise, you get them from both directions, you just get slaughtered. Yeah. That'll be my only tip because I'm not that good at this, really. Yeah, that's that's obviously the biggest one. I mean, the only way you can really do that is just hope, say, you've got one in front of you, one behind, and the majority on the other side, and just quickly uh, zigzag up and down the screen to then walk into them, grab them, and throw them over so they're on one side. The only yeah. tip, really, that got me... Um, a better score which I know we'll get to in a in a bit is um, again if you can try and not be hit every time you <laughs> <laughs> if, 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 that's a bit obvious that Paul if you have it the best tactic final fight is if you've got a full energy bar and you get to food on the floor it seems to give you points instead of energy because you've already got full energy so you know, that, that was a nice little thing. But I only managed that in two parts, and that was right at the beginning of level one. Where there was no enemies. Yeah, where there's only like a few, you know, stand by the door and just keep punching while they're coming out into your fist. Yeah. And then, yeah, and then um, also the, the only other tip really is, again, keep doing that sort of zigzag motion up the screen when you get to um, damned at the end of uh, the boss at end of level one because yeah. uh, he can really, really deck you. And then as soon as he's called for his cronies to help out, 
I think you got about 10 seconds to get out of there because when he goes flying off that wall, that kick connects. Mm. I think the um, mm. I think the other the tactic that I kind of employ, you don't know if it's a good one, but is when you fight in Andor uh, or um, Hugo, as he's kind of known later on, um, is that use jump attacks as opposed to try and do a stand-up fight because he will do like combo breakers and things. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Or we'll do like running attacks to you. So if you use flying kicks and stuff like that, then it kind of combats that. I mean, it takes a lot longer to put them down, but mm. it will work eventually, and you'll be quite powerless to do anything against you. That I mean, that that only really works if you've got him on his own. Make sure you've got him on screen as well, because sometimes, yeah. especially at, like the end of that first part of a subway level, so on level two, uh, well, stage two. There's times when you just think, I'm just going to keep punching and he's going to walk into my fist. He mm. doesn't because, like I say, he's just going to, um, you know, charge into you. And the other thing is it does take a while to, I can't remember what they're called. Is it, I think it's called like Simons or something. He's a guy who sort of like blocks your punches. There's a few yeah, it's, characters it's like that. Acted. See, that's the thing that I always found really annoying with Final Fight is the fact that um, characters like Axel and that um, have block moves and you don't. And I think that Uh, I I know it's kind of you go like, oh, well, that's just the way it is. But it would have been nice if you had a block move to use tactically. So so I don't know if you held like, I don't know if you held the punch button and back or something, then it would block any attack that was coming to you. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Because it's same with the the women as well, because when they're flying around and then you've got like an Andor after you as well, forget it. And then like as soon as you're on the ground and they decide to, you know, jump on you you lose half half an energy bar and this is what um you know i was saying to phil the other the other day it, it just comes down to as, as some people will see it as a bit of a cheap game you know because you can't even get up you know so you get pounced on and then you're yeah. getting up and you get pounced on again if there's like two andors on the screen and that's it you've lost a life mm. Mm. yeah that can happen a it's, lot it's all about crowd control with these games yeah mm. Okay, then what is your opinion on the graphics, sound, and gameplay? I, I'll start. I think, for the time, these had large, well-animated characters, player characters, at least, I think. They're nice backgrounds, nice backdrops, and the music is good. It's of the time, that kind of clangy sort of rock music of the sort of late 80s. But I think the graphics and sound are really good and polished overall. Well, what do you guys think? Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Um, I'd like to make this little like a side though. Do you know the history of like Poison and Roxy? Is is Poison on some game supposed to be a man? What happened was the it was it kind of started. I went the, with the arcade as well. What it was decided that in the US that it might be controversial to have men uh, hitting women. So yeah. as an alternative, Capcom came up with the idea that. Roxy and uh, Poison were new halves, which is kind of like another name for a transsexual. Which make which I thought like <laughs> doesn't that make it slightly worse? <laughs> <laughs> Probably it's, does, doesn't oh, it? Oh no, yeah. it's all right. It's a, it's not all right to hit women, but you know them you know, crossdressers and transsexuals are oh, they fine? Yeah, beat them up all day. It's like hang on a minute. <laughs> that's that's, that's yeah. not, you can't do that. <laughs> it's a, Sounds so, worse, yeah, yeah. It's, it's just horrendous and it's since then this like poison especially because Roxy doesn't really like feature in any of the thing but in like in the uh, the Street Fighter series and stuff Ro- Ro- uh, poison's quite a, 
a prominent character in the Alpha games, and now she's in uh, Street Fighter Four. And it's that whole. There's a lot of like debate and stuff like that. Is it is she is she an actual woman or is she a new half? And it's one of them ones that you know personally I'll always say she's a woman because she's got nice boobs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but it is quite strange that in the like home versions and that they swapped her out for men. Um, mm, strange. She she was replaced by Billy and Sid. Well, Roxy and Poison were replaced by Billy and Sid, and in subsequent other versions, they changed the the uh, character art slightly to bring their um, crop tops down further, so you can't see the the underside of the cleavage when they get hit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, strange. She's. I mean, she's one of my most loved. Capcom characters because I think she's quite like I mean even if even if she is a transsexual character then that is quite interesting to have like a character like that and it yeah. is quite like almost like I know she's supposed to be a villain but it is quite forward thinking <laughs> in a strange kind of strange odd coincidence you know what I mean have a, have a character like that and be quite a fan favourite yeah yeah. What, what do you think Paul of the graphics sound yeah. and gameplay like for graphics I'm really really a fan of like I briefly mm. touched upon uh I love, obviously, the big sprites because I always went for, you know, like all the fighting games when I was a kid. So I've always been into the old, uh, you know, scrolling beat-em-ups. So it's a massive step up from things like um, Double Dragon, but also games like Vigilante, which I used to play on quite a bit. And they were just like really, really great-looking sprites. You know, the music, Mm. again, I always think is dead memorable. You know, as soon as you're like hear the intro you know like the amount of times when i was a kid going into arcades and you'd hear the intro boot up with like you'd hear like the little intro video with like a phone ringing and then you just hear the big clangy guitar and everything and it's like this is brilliant you know and also you hear uh, that character damned laughing as well (laughs) you know so it's like it's very very memorable for me Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's fantastic. And the amount of times, you know, when I do play it, the music's stuck in my head for days on end. Uh, but yeah, definitely one of my favourites. I know it's obviously quite an old cab now. I mean, what, God, 25, 26 years old almost. Uh, but yeah, yeah, still enjoy playing it. I don't think, you know, it looks awful or anything like that, even all these years on. Mm-hmm. Talking of the cab, there wasn't an actual dedicated cab made for it, but there was a kit that was released the kit had a very nice marquee the control panel overlay a nice looking bezel with lots of detail on it and two sort of diamond kind of decals for the side of the machine Mm. now these look really nice nice and colorful keeping the spirit of the game Uh, what do you two think of these I love the I love the diamond decals on the side. I think they are absolutely gorgeous. The rest of it is kind of that one where you give it a bloke and not really told them what it was about. <laughs> Do you think uh, so? Yeah. It's a man kicking another man. Wrap around on the, the screen wrap around that. That is quite nice. Uh they've got like the Tom Selleck Hager and that like downwards. <laughs> But it was the marquee at the top. It was just like them boots. I mean, they, they are like really quite nice boots that uh, Cody's got on. But yeah, I don't know. It feels it looks a bit more Target Renegade than than yeah. actual Final Fight for us. I think the, the the side art looks really really nice, and I think it's obviously done by a different artist than the. It looks it, yeah. It yeah. looks it, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, it's all right. It's possible. It's, it's it's very much of its time. I think. Mm, I think. 
I think if you saw it on a cab, it's very nice and colourful, yeah. I think. and all that overlooks yeah. quite nice. But I think with mm. what you had, what you, how the sprites looked and stuff, uh, you know, obviously how the, the concept art looked, looks nothing like what this artist put out, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Right, let's, I've got some trivia for this. Apart from the trivia you've always said, already said about poison being a, ma- a man, a man fish. What was it? A man. New heart. What was the name of the new heart? Yeah, poison's a new heart. Also, Yoshiki Okamoto produced this game, and he's one of my heroes because he did 1942, obviously. But he also did Gyrus Time Pilot and Street Fighter Two. Mm. This game was originally made to be a sequel to Street Fighter 1. I. I think it was called Street Fighter 89 at a Japanese trade show. And the people that played it said, hang on, this is not Street Fighter. This is a completely different game. So they changed it and they called it Final Fight. And glad they mm. did. And the gang who kidnapped Jessica, who, who's the female that gets kidnapped in this, they're called Mad Gear. And Mad Gear is the name of another Capcom overhead driving sort of combat game which is a sequel to a game called Bump and Jump that we uh, featured. So that's good news. And Andor. I think we all know this. Andor is a homage to the US wrestler Andre the Giant. Yeah. Looks, it looks like him, doesn't he, really? Yeah. Bit, bit, bit slimmer. Guy steals Cody's girlfriend in the end. That's it. Yeah. That's what it, yeah, that's it but he kind it? of just decks him and mm. then bugs off. And then Cody, like his girlfriend, runs over to Cody. Yeah. Mm. That's strange, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, and that? it's just a bit like that has no... Unless like, he's really miffed. That you know, why did you smash that car up when we could have taken it? We wasted all this time. You made us walk all this day just for your bird to get to get a taxi. Do you know the prices of taxis yeah. these days? So that's why guy yeah. just decks him. He's like, well, what what value was it for me? Hagger's got a daughter, got his daughter back. You've got your bird back. What have I got? Maybe he's <laughs> annoyed that basically we've been hitting the main bad guy who's quite an old bloke in a wheelchair. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, that was, that, that's <laughs> yeah. another thing that is a bit odd. It's like you, you've beat up a like a disabled person here at the end. I mean, I know he's probably only foxing it because he does get out like later on. But and the other thing is, did you know that? Like, did you notice that the Trotters independent independent traders were doing the chandeliers at certain points because they kept falling down? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, oh. No, okay. <laughs> nice one. That's definitely going in the mini series. That film. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually what was happening in that episode of the Only Fools and Horses. Yeah, that's a strange level of the game, isn't it? When you're walking through that, is it a hotel yeah. or something? What is it? It just yeah, happens yeah, yeah. for no rhyme or reason. <laughs> They've done yeah, that, though. Strange. Capcom have done that in other games as well because they did it in um, Cadillacs and Dinosaurs, I'm sure. Yeah, they something do. Something like that, you know. Yeah, I think they do some, something quite right. similar in um, The Punisher as well. Yeah, yeah. Do you know The, the Punisher... I, I played a little bit of that, and it's like a much better, refined version yes. of this, mm-hmm. isn't it? I know it's like four years later, and they've, they've, they, they, it seems more fluid, and the, the action's better, I think. It was Capcom's first uh, licensed game with Marvel as well. Ah, right. So, there you go, there's a bit of trivia. That ends our trivia <laughs> on a very very good note, that. Very good! Right, we're going to talk about ports, sequels, spin-off, and the legacy of the game. I have just been really lazy and I've linked to one of my favourite sites, Hardcore Gaming 101, and, and they've got it all sorted, so you can read that, guys. <laughs> no, uh, f- Final Fight, they did... <laughs> After that, they did... What did they do? They did loads of versions. There's versions on the snares. There's other versions on things that are not the snares. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, Sega CD, Game Boy Advance, X68000, that awesome Japanese PC. Amiga, Atari ST, Commodore 64, Amstrad, 
ZX Spectrum PS2, Xbox PSP, Xbox Live, PSN, Wii Virtual Console, and iOS. How about all them lot? Mm, I've played most of those versions as well. Over, mm-hmm. I know. Like, <laughs> I as a kid, as a kid, it was a case of you looked at the eight-bit versions that one of my mates had, and the Spectrum graphics were really, really nice-looking, decent-sized sprites, but no colour, and uh, yeah. I think it was a Commodore 64 version that was just absolutely awful, you know, quite rubbishy sprites, and uh, like I briefly mentioned, the Atari ST version was just abysmal, just dead brown, everything was just <laughs> like dead browny type. <laughs> I've only just had a look at this, I've never seen the Commodore 64 version. It's... You haven't? Are you looking yes. at the page now? It's, it's awful. <laughs> I've played that. You may have it. <laughs> Um, I tell you what though, what is a good port is the Final Fight One on the GBA Game Boy Advance. Yes, um, it, it's really good yeah. because that's considered game... one of the definitive versions, though, isn't it? Along with the the Sega CD. Oh yeah, yeah, both fantastic versions. I know there's quite a few years difference in between them, but to get the closest you could to the arcade, mm. those definitely, definitely, you know, uh, because. The Sega CD one, that was like one of the reasons to obviously own a Mega CD because you obviously had two players, so the Super Nintendo only had one. And then you also in, oh God, what was it? It was in America and, and Japan when they brought out the Final Fight Guy, mm-hmm. where obviously you could um, be Guy instead of Cody, but it still kept the game on Super Nintendo one player. But I heard somewhere that the Final Fight Guy in America was um, Blockbuster exclusive. And, right. uh, it's meant to be stupid money, if you want that. Yeah. You know, like box complete right. type thing. But yeah. And then I know it's obviously had a couple of sequels on Super Nintendo, uh, which I've owned both of. Final Fight 2, uh, they added a second player mode. So I remember playing that as a kid. I thought, this is absolutely fantastic. It wasn't. It just had a two-player mode. Um <laughs> Although there was a nice little Easter egg by having a Chun Li in the background on one of the levels eating a noodles oh, yeah. or a something, and I think Guile's in the background on one of the levels as well, again from Street Fighter right. Two. And then they did do a Final Fight Three, um, also known as Final Fight Tough. I seem to remember I'm going back a bit, and yeah. again that now to get on UK or PAL. Um, the last time I looked was a couple of hundred quid on eBay. We're talking stupid money to get it complete. I know people do repos and stuff, and uh, yeah, it is one of my regrets selling that game ten years back. Definitely. Have you got this in your Super Play Hundred, Paul? This final final fight. They're not in it. They're not no. fantastic games. The sequels definitely aren't. You know, and the first one on Super Nintendo, yeah. I don't think is amazing. I know it goes for uh, a decent price. You know, like. God, yeah, it's my, my quid, card, isn't it? My card only of um, Final Fight cost me nearly 40 quid mm. for Final Fight. Um, Looking enough, Final Fight 2, which I got on me, I got on uh, Super Famicom, only cost us, I think, like 15 or something, but I think I got that for, it was 16 quid, but I think I got that for quite a nice little price considering how good condition it is. Oh, you got a bargain on that. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, I was with you then, but um, yeah. I just think the prices of of them are obviously quite crazy. And I know it comes down to that collectors market who you know want all the PAL games, you know. Yeah. But I just don't mm, know how many yeah. were actually released, especially not of the third one because that was 
fairly late on in the Super Nintendo's life. I think it was about 1996. So obviously then, you know, the PlayStation was on the market and, um, you know, your 32-bit consoles, Mm. you know, spin-offs. Oh, one last sequel. There was also... Um, Go on. Final Fight Streetwise. It was Mighty Final Fight as well, wasn't it? Which was like a chibi version of it. You were right, yeah. On the (laughs) NES. On the NES. And Final Fight Revenge, which is a one-on-one fighter they've turned it into. Oh, dear. I've never played this. It is a really, really nasty game, mate. (laughs) On the Saturn, that. And and Arcade, I didn't know it was released in Arcade. It's it's one of them ones that this would have been fantastic uh, if they'd released it as a 2D fighter. I think they could have done a really, really nice job with it. But for some strange reason, went for the... It was kind of like a pre... Almost like a precursor to the... Uh, Street Fighter EX series, Ugh. which yeah. they're all right. The EX games, but I think they just look a bit dated, especially when you consider there was games like Tekken and Virtual Fighter at the time that kind of don't. Capcom should have stopped with what they're good at rather than try and dip the toe into something else that necessarily the technology wasn't right to do at the time. Definitely, which Definitely, I think yeah. is a good reason why, although they are like 3D games, that um, Street Fighter games, apart from the EX games, have always been on a 2D plane because it's yeah. just you get mm. so much a higher quality out of it. Yeah, I mean, if we can talk about like other like legacies of like Final Fight, as I said before, like a lot of the characters um, have started featuring in like the Street Fighter series or the Capcom Versus series. Um, strangely enough, like Mike Hager has never actually featured in a, in a Street Fighter game. Uh, he's all, he has, in the sense that he's had cameos where he's been a background character, or um, yeah. he's been on like like posters or uh, statues and things. But he's it's strange enough that he's only really made an appearance in the Cap- Marvel versus Capcom, unlike the rest of the characters like Poison, Relento, Hugo, Cody, and Guy, who have uh, featured as playable characters since the Alpha series, and they are like really really fantastic. They fit, fit, they fit their world really really nicely. Some of the other guys are based on rock stars and album yeah. names, yeah. Um, which was quite quite nice because I think it kind of fits in with the, the the style of the music as well in the games. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, it, it, it definitely Final Fight's one of them ones that it's a shame that they haven't made a new one. I always thought that it would have been really nice if Capcom, even if it was just DLC, released uh, a new version of Final Fight using the Street Fighter Four engine. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be good. Because yeah. I think that because um, they had like most of the char- like most of the main character models there, you know, like like your relentos and stuff. They had so they had the boss characters. They only would have to add like Sodom and like a couple of like the the the, the final boss and what do you call it? They kind of like normal fodder, and then they could have made like a really nice like uh, side scroll and beat them up. And I think it's just a shame because it's one of it's definitely a genre that we have beat them ups now. You know, we have like stuff like the Fist of North Star games, we have the Batman games and stuff like that, but there isn't like a, a traditional beat-em-up. I think we've gone very much down the, the hack-and-slash thing where like people consider like beat-em-ups now to be stuff like Devil May Cry, and it's like, no, they're not really. They're much more akin to something like Golden Axe. Mm, yeah. So it's just, I think it's just a shame that we haven't had like... I mean, we, we there's, there's a lot of like independent uh, games developers that are bringing out like 2D, what white right have a fight games but i think it's something that mm. i wish that like a, a major publisher would actually release especially something like final fight which i think could really be good in today's market yeah it could could sort of bring in the crowds mm. that couldn't it make a bit yep. of money mm. 
Right, so let's talk about the scores. And again, we've had a lot of people playing this, so thanks to everyone for playing. We love people playing the podcast games. Right, at the bottom is Mr. Red Horse. I think he's just had one game. Uh, he's got 87,000, and he's been playing it with... Because he's, he's a horse, I think, so he's been playing it with hooves. So 87,000 with hooves. He's not bad. Not, not bad, pardon, no, no opposable thumb. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Victor, Victor's score is no... Uh, and then he's put 90,000. He's not playing it. He does not like it. So we know what, what Victor would have put on, on this podcast. No, rubbish, <laughs> take it off. Next, we have Andrew Driver with 147,000. Next, we have Phil, maximum power up. Hey, you fella. 173,000. Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Stupid word. Final fight. Do you, I would, I would, do you really? Do you really hate it? If I wanted a real arcade, I'd more, have more than 50 pence in my pocket. Yep. You may have yep. lost it all on horses. <laughs> <laughs> Next, we have Andrew Anderson with 174,000. And apologies to him for missing his space launcher score on the last on the last show. He got 14,150. I missed it. Sorry about that. Next, we have Stephen Baker, who we mentioned in the feedback. He got 189,000. Next, we have me with 206,000, which is all right. But obviously, I struggled with this genre. Next, we have Ian Cullen, who is Mappy24. He got 211,000. Next, Stacey King with 251,000. Next, we have a very decent score. Paul Maximum Power Up. Woo! <laughs> 274,000. Next, we have Sir Daniel of Smashington with 298,000. We're getting into the good scores. Dan Smash, well done, mate. Next, Phil V85, who's excellent at his shoot 'em ups, 308,000. And, wow, in third place, we have Zipper with 490,000. Mad Steve just kept improving over the last couple of weeks. Just keeps plugging away and getting better and better scores. Second, 507,000. And a guy called X Mosquito has one credit cleared it. And there's also an old one credit clear on his YouTube channel. And he's got 2,301,950 of your Earth points. Well done, that man. Well done. Yes, in everybody's face. <laughs> do you know? Do you know what amazes me with that? Right? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch that video just because the one boss I struggle with so much in this game is um, Sodom at the uh, end of um, stage two, the Samurai Warrior, because it, it is quite a difficult one. And I know he's like, he comes at you with his two like katana blades, and as soon as he's lost both of those, he just charges at you, and every mm. single time he just knocks me on my ass. You know. Well, this this guy's technique, Mr. Mosquito, he would be facing left and he would jump right and I think he'd press attack and down and you do kind of, of a, re- a reverse kind of body splash. But if your feet touch another body as you're jumping right while facing left, you throw the guy over your shoulders. So he was doing that to, to line up all the guys on the left-hand side of the screen and then attacking them. And that is that was his main technique for clearing all the levels without getting battered. Mm. It's good, that, isn't it? I tried to do it. I could do it. <laughs> anyway, overall thoughts. My overall thoughts on this I've written in the show notes. A great game to credit through with a mate and a few beers. I think it really would be. I'm afraid, though, it doesn't hold my attention for long, and I get bored towards the end of games like this. I've tried them at the Batcave, and as it gets like onto the half-an-hour mark and you're getting towards the end of the game, 
I get bored. But it is the style of game, and it is. I think it's a very good game if you're into this kind of thing. Uh, what do you think, Paul? Um, I think it's one of those that in, I still enjoy it, but I enjoyed it a lot more as a kid. You know, when you're actually paying for it, because it is one of those <laughs> yeah. where if you just got infinite credits, it does turn into just a keep punching, you know, and going, you know, left to right. Yeah. But when you are trying to, you know, actually do well at this and actually try and save your lives up and things, I think it's really enjoyable. And of course, games like this are always better two player, just because then, you know, you've yeah. got that rule of you take the top bit, I'll take the bottom, or, you know, you take the left, I'll take the right. And yeah, it's it's always a good laugh, definitely. Yeah. Go on, Phil, what do you think? Well, um, you know, just echo what both of you said. Um, I love the art style, I love the music. I do think a side scrolling beat em up is always better with playing with the mates because yeah. the, the two player aspect and stuff. But, I kind of, it was kind of like, it, I know I say I hate playing it on one credit, but it was kind of, it is the really the right way to play rather than just go through and just keep mm. pump, pumping in extra credits and that because back in the day you wouldn't have that. So because yeah. I'm crap at it, you know, that made us hate it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm crap at it so, as well. Um, but it is, it is a certain I think people born and they were sort of in the arcades yeah. in the early 90s would love this. I think it's because I didn't play it much when I was a kid. We didn't have it. It was all, I think, I never actually had a chance to play it. I played Golden Axe a lot. And obviously I played Street, yeah. Streets of Rage at home. But when I, I, I can't remember. It wasn't even that long ago when I first actually played Final Fight properly in an arcade. So I never had the, the brutal kind of credit-devouring uh, gameplay. So I think that's. So what's the best game then? Streets of Rage or Final Streets Fight? Streets of Rage, easy. Final Fight. Yeah. Streets of Rage music. <laughs> oh well. But Final Fight for gameplay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, then we'll leave that game and we'll move on to the art of side art. Three, two, and this week. We're doing the art of box art because we have two console experts with us here, Mr. Paul and Mr. Phil. Hello. Hello. And Phil's going to talk about Cockle Bomber. Is that not Cockle Bomber? What's it called? <laughs> Muscle Bomber. Muscle that Bomber. That sounded rude yes. what you just come up with. <laughs> I knew it was some kind of fish. <laughs> Go on, Phil. Muscle Bomber. Take it away. Well, um, Cockle Bomber, or aka <laughs> Muscle Bomber, or uh, Saturday Night Slam Masters, as it's known in the West, is another Capcom uh, versus fighter. I've chosen this one because obviously that it is a game that explores the history of Mike Hager's character. Yeah, fantastic little wrestling game. I, I've always said that I personally think it's the 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 uh, Super Nintendo is the best wrestling game on the Super Nintendo. Uh, maybe he's, I think that's because I haven't played the Fire Pro ones, but. That's not the, the top of this conversation. Um, it, the <laughs> box art for the um, Super Famicom version and the poster art was all, was uh, drawn by uh, Tetsuya Hara, who did the Fist of the North Star comic and anime. I'm looking at it now. Yes, very, it's very good. Just fantastic. I mean, I'm, I'm a fan of like the, the anime and the manga and the Japanese art anyway. And this one kind of does everything that it, that you think a wrestling game should look like you've got like them overly disproportioned like hulking men because <laughs> uh, <laughs> me and paul like them kind of fellas we do 
but it's it's great because it kind of it also goes in every like cliche that you expect to see in pro wrestling you've got like the luchador you've got you know the american all american wrestlers you've got the russian like bear fighters and stuff you got the masked guys and stuff and it just everything about it kind of you know exactly what you're going to get yourself into absolutely love us the game was followed up by a couple of sequels called um there was a Muscle Bomber Duel, and then they changed the format slightly for Ring of Destruction, which I always thought had a bit of a dodgy title. <laughs> Ring of Destruction. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Um, Mind you, that's just, just our, our poisoned minds. Big sweaty men uh, bashing each other around the Ring of Destruction. Bashed around the ring. And cut that out. <laughs> But um, they, they changed the format slightly. They, they took on a much more of a, a traditional uh, Capcom versus fighter where you had energy bars and it was a, it was all based around knockout. So, yeah, um, if you ever get the chance to have a look at the, the box art for Muscle Bomber or Saturday Night Slam Masters. I mean, Muscle Bomber in particular because they, I think they changed the box art slightly for the West and it isn't half as good as yeah. the traditional original artwork. It's nowhere near as good. Honestly, that happened a lot, didn't it? Especially sort of on the Mega yeah. Drive and stuff like it's that. It's a really nice looking game as well because yeah. at the time when this came out, uh, it was like me and my mates were big wrestling fans, and there was only a few wrestling games out on the Super Nintendo. Like Phil just said, you have the Fire Pro series, and then you had the WWF ones. But when Muscle Bomber came out, or Saturday Night Slam Masters, the sprites were really, really big, you know, which, like the Final Fight ones, and it just looks stunning, you know, and it's again... Also, it's also got, like, a really nice move set as well. Yeah, exactly, that's what I'm about to say then. Like, loads and loads of different moves mm. and everything. An absolutely fantastic game, mm. and it's sort of like taking that sort of, like, Final Fight history and that style, and then putting it into a different genre of game. Right, all we've got to cover now is the next show's game and who picked it. Right, the next show's game is Victor's pick. He's messaged me from America, from Kentucky. I don't know if that's probably very insulting, <laughs> that. But it is Kung Fu Master from IREM, 1984 game. The settings, difficulty, easy setting. It's not it's easy at all, that this game. game. I know energy loss is slow. That's another dip switch setting. Three lives, and if you use the world ROM, I don't know if there's any difference in ROMs, but if everyone uses the world ROM in MAME, and I've got a bit of a surprise actually for next time, but I'm not going to talk about it until next time uh, regarding Kung Fu Master. But that's it. And just just now, I would like to say thank you to Phil and Paul for joining me, and it's been brilliant. And I've realised, sort of a quarter of a way through this podcast, how little I know about the fighting genre of games. So thank you, you two guys, for for propping me <laughs> up a bit because I, I would have struggled. We were, I think I would have struggled with it. So thank you very much. You're welcome. And check out the Maximum Power Up podcast on all good interwebs. Nice. And if you don't, I'll punch you right in face. Not in chins, not in midriff, in face. In face. Had to get that in every every podcast. Yeah, so thanks very much, guys, and we will catch you all next time. Thank you. Thank you. You can download or play the podcast, read all the show notes, and leave feedback at www.10pencearcade.co.uk. You can email me at vertvic at 10pencearcade.co.uk. You can also reach us on our Facebook page. You can tweet me at 10pencearcade, and you can tweet Sean at Sean Holly. We'd love to hear from you, 
for game suggestions, arcade pickups and stories, or any of your personal thoughts on anything we may have covered. 